0: they brought to him a deaf man. A long time ago, they brought a deaf man to Jesus, and he healed him. Not quite so long ago, a deaf man was brought to me, and I'd have to say I was the one that was healed. A little backstory on all that. The final year of my training to become a pastor happened in Minnesota. At the time, I lived in a house next door to a church for the deaf. Another long story short, during that final year, I sensed that God was calling me to serve deaf people within our church, and so upon graduating from the seminary, I enrolled in a crash course in American Sign Language, so I'd be prepared to serve deaf people in the church. Then at that summer, following graduation, I volunteered to be a counselor at a camp run by our church in northern Minnesota uh, for a group of deaf people from that church, Seemed like a good idea at the time. But as the, the time to go to Camp Knutsen got closer, I realized more closely who it was I would be going to camp with. Because these people were not just deaf, but they also were wrestling with other challenges, physical, emotional, um, mental. Some of them couldn't control their arms because of their cerebral palsy. Others couldn't control their legs or the sounds that they made. And I got really scared of these people. And so I earnestly began to pray in those weeks leading up to that event that God would give me a a way out. And the God of grace and mercy answered my prayer, no. (laughs) And so on one Sunday afternoon in August, I found myself on the shore of Whitefish Lake in northern Minnesota with the rest of the group as they were listening to the water safety lecture being given by the leader of our group, I wasn't listening. I was still trying to work it out in my head how I was gonna survive this week with all these weird and scary people that I was with. And that's when the deaf man was brought to me. And not just any deaf man, Rodney. He came uh, down lumbering down the hill from the, the bunkhouse, a uh, greasy Minnesota Vikings cap pulled over, long, greasy gray hair, an even greasier windbreaker over his stooped shoulders, three fishing poles and a tackle box in one hand, a fish raider on the other. And as he got closer, I could see a face that was missing lots of teeth, a face you wouldn't want to meet in a dark alley or a well-lit alley, nevertheless. And I soon learned afterwards that the only word he could ver- verbalize or vocalize was the sound Booga. And I'm sure as I stood there, my jaw was probably down here, my eyes as big as dinner plates. And as he got closer, Kristen, who was given the the lecture about how to be careful in the lake, saw him coming and then asked, who wants to take Rodney fishing? And as one of the most powerful proofs of the existence of God and of God's sense of humor, my hand went up. (laughs) Ephatha be opened. I didn't do it. It was done to me. And at that moment, um, a process started. I don't think it happened all at once, but it happened fairly quickly, that the wall of fear that used to divide me from all those people started to fall down. And very quickly, Rodney and I became best friends forever, you might say. We spent virtually every waking hour at Camp Knutson the rest of the week, either fishing or playing some game or at the dinner table, And that was a challenge because he had no teeth and I saw everything he ate really clearly. (laughs) A day or so into this new friendship, I realized that while a wall had fallen for me, it hadn't fallen for everyone. We went across the street, several of us from the camp, to the little store that was there to get candy and gum and such. And as I stood there with my new friends, I looked around and I could see on the faces of others in the store that same look of fear that had been on my face not very many days before. Ephatha hadn't come for them yet. I hope it finally did. They brought to him a deaf man, and a deaf son, and a deaf daughter, and a deaf friend, and a deaf brother. Fast forward a few years to the church where I met Scott and Melissa, I was called to serve in a deaf ministry of a church in Southern California, a church that wanted to provide a place for hearing-impaired people to come and worship uh, in total communication so they could see and hear the Word of God, a place to celebrate the sacraments together, to have fellowship together, to learn more from the Scriptures, and to be in service to the community as well as receive services, advocacy, interpreting, and other things like that. And one of the works that we did together was to go out from that church to visit other churches to help raise the awareness of hearing people about the world of the deaf, the culture of deaf people, the language of deaf people. So we'd bring our little sign language choir along, and they'd sign some hymns, and I'd give a sermon if we were there for Sunday morning, and we'd field questions from the group. And almost every time we did this, when we were through, The pastor of that church would come up and say, You know what? I'm in deaf ministry too. The people of my church seem to hear nothing that I say to them. Hardy, har, har, har. (laughs) But that gave me the perfect segue to the only statistic I ever used to cite. Because there are a lot of statistics about deafness and hearing impairment. I only ever cited one. And I'll cite it again today because it's still true. And that is simply this. Everyone in this room has already or will be, will experience complete and total deafness at some time in their life, at least once. If you don't believe me, let me find out if this is not true for everybody in the room. When you were younger and mom or dad said, it's time to do your chores, totally deaf. I heard nothing just then, right? Well, that is a symptom of the most serious deafness that we all experienced. We have the ability, as human beings, to become deaf when we want to. When it comes to the call to do our chores from our parents, eh, it's not such a big deal on the big scheme of things. When it comes to our ability to go deaf when it comes to the Word of God, that's another matter. We don't want to hear every single word God says to us. When we hear words like repent or confess or change we don't want to hear those words. We hear them as words of judgment in our heart, and we turn our ears off. Which is too bad, because every time those words of judgment are spoken, they're always followed with words of mercy, but we're not hearing those either. That's why it's so important to know that the word "ephetha," the word, the command, be opened, wasn't just spoken that day by Jesus to the man who was deaf. But it was ultimately the word that God hurled against the tomb of Jesus. Because without that wall being broken down, we remain shut off from all of God's words of grace and mercy and forgiveness. And that is a promise that is ours as people of God and people of faith, that the word be opened will ultimately be hurled against the door of our tomb as well. They brought to him a deaf man. I don't know, maybe you've already met your Rodney. If not, he's on his way. He may be deaf, she may be blind, they may be differently abled and challenged in ways you've never experienced before. Jesus will send him or her to you, I'm pretty sure. But know this that Jesus will also send that word. A word hard to pronounce but wonderful to experience. Ephatha, be opened. Amen.